Hello, Internet. On this episode, we sit down with Johnny Grimes, one of the partners behind Furnace Fest. We talk about the history of this music festival, the bands, the lineup, and the logistics of getting such an event off the ground here in Birmingham, Alabama. It was an awesome conversation, and we appreciate Johnny taking the time to talk with us. As always, be sure to check us out on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Heavy Ultra. But yeah, man, thanks for coming to hang. This is really rad. Yeah, I'm uh, excited. Taking the time to come chill with us. Uh, we got Johnny Grimes, and I don't really know... Tell me your involvement in Furnace Fest and, yeah. and kind of your background and how this thing got started. Yeah. Uh, so there's four of us. So we're all four equal partners. Um, Chad Johnson, our partner, one of our partners, um, was the founder of Furnace Fest back in 2000. Uh, also owned a record label in Birmingham called Take Hold. And so, and I'd gotten to know Chad really well as a teenager. Um, he was kind of an influential guy in the, in the hardcore punk rock scene. Had a, had a record label, also had a venue called Slacker 66. And so he was putting on shows there. And so we were going, I mean, every time there was a show, it didn't matter who the band was, we were there. And so I got to know Chad really well. Um, and we had just been friends ever since. So we've probably been friends for 25 years or so. And, um, and, uh, and so in 2000, he decided, well, what better way to get the bands that are on my record label exposure than to just uh, all right let's i'm going to put on a, a music festival and get all these great bands and then i'm going to put my bands on the bill as well so they're going to get exposure and so that's what he did and um it turned into this really cool kind of organic um thing uh this music festival and it it consecutively consecutively went from 2000 to 2003 um and it was it was amazing. I went every year, uh, snuck into every every one of them. I didn't pay. <laughs> every, where was the show located? It was all at uh, Sloss. It was all at Sloss. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so all, all four years were at Sloss. And so, uh, but Chad and I have just been friends for so long. And I started pestering him about well around 2010. I was like, hey, let's do a, a Furnace Fest reunion t- ten years later. And he's like, not a chance. <laughs> Because he moved um, in in 2002, he moved to Seattle because uh, Tooth and Nail Records bought Take Hold Records, Take and and Dang, so that's pretty big. yeah, so they bought bought that record company and then moved him up to be one of their A and R guys, and so um, and so but he moved back to Nashville around I can't I think it's maybe 2009, and he was just super burned out on the music industry. I just burned out on Seattle, period. Yeah, tired of the rain. <laughs> yeah, but he was back in Birmingham and um, visiting family, and so we met at Octane uh, when Octane was in Homewood, and we were having a beer, just hanging out, chatting, and I was like, "Hey, let's do a ten year reunion of Furnace Fest," and he was like, "There's not a chance. There's no way I'm I'm not doing that," and I was like, "Okay." And so I just consistently hit him up over the next few years. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And uh, just wouldn't let it go. <laughs> he just I wouldn't let it go. Pestered him. And um, but around 2017, 2018, I was like, look, 2020 is coming up. It's 20 years later. Uh, let's do it. And he was just like, you know, it's got a good ring to it. Let me think about it. And then simultaneously, one of our other partners, Ryan Luther, who is in Nashville as well, he's a great guy. 
um, Chad and Ryan were going to church together, and Ryan was pastoring him as well. Hey, let's. <laughs> you are both in his ear. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And he finally, Chad was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And so um, the three of us started working on this thing just over three years ago. Wow. And um, yeah, and about maybe eight months in, we realized that um, you know we don't really have a clue what we're doing, <laughs> and so. Um, Chad had a um, had a, he knew a guy, an acquaintance, Mike Zemer, who's our fourth partner. He's a concert promoter and a festival promoter based out of Dallas. And so, um, Chad set up a meeting with him. We talked to him. We 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 were talking to him, hey, could you come on as a consultant? And then, um, and anyway, to make a long story short, we just decided to bring him on as a partner. And so, um, so the four of us have been working on it for quite some time. Uh, it's been an amazing ride. The logistics have been a nightmare, especially when you throw COVID on top of oh, that. Dude, oh, I can't imagine. It's uh, it's been crazy. So it was supposed to happen in 2020, but we postponed it. We pushed it to May, and then we pushed it from May to September. You're building hype. That's all you're doing. Yeah, you're it's hype, dude. Yeah, but that's how it happens. Go see his live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been and, and the way we announced it was really cool too. Um, we started putting some teasers out online, so people started going crazy and um, about it. Well, Chad was like, I don't think anybody's going to care. Uh, he says, I don't think anybody's going to care whatsoever. I said, let me do let me do some type of informal poll and uh, and just on my Facebook page, which, you know, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm a guy who owns some hair salons in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, so. Um, and so I grabbed a couple of pictures from Furnace Fest 2001 or two, can't remember. And, uh, and I just posted on my Facebook page, hey, would anybody be interested in coming to a Furnace Fest 20 years later? And the thing went nuts. It went, it literally, I, you know, I don't necessarily know what the technical term is for viral, but yeah. for us, it went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool that, I mean, even bands that we loved were like posting on it because people just kept sharing it and kept sharing it. And they were like, Dude, and, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I think Scott, the guitarist for Stretch Armstrong, which is one of my favorite bands, posted on there. That would be super cool. And they hadn't played a show in 10 years. And so I automatically just started screenshotting that yeah, and sending yeah. it to Chad. I was like, if we could get Stretch Armstrong to reunite for this show, it it would... That's it. it that would, is what we need. That's it. And that was a big challenge, but we, we did. We finally convinced those dudes to do it. But because there was so much online interest in it and so much excitement, we decided to pull the trigger, and uh, and we did, and it was really cool. But um, so I mean, we were just brainstorming: how do we do this? Because none of us have money, and uh, and so we're not this big production company, uh, and so uh, we were like, well, how do we pull this off financially speaking? And so we were like brainstorming: maybe we should just do a GoFundMe and try to sell like a hundred tickets for $99 and that will give us a little bit of cash to be able to start, you know, booking bands and booking the venue and all that. Thankfully we decided against doing the GoFundMe, but we, um, so we just started putting some teasers out and, um, and we decided to go live with the one reunion band on January 1st, 2020. And um, which and, was Stretch Armstrong? No, it was or, actually Beloved. Okay. And so, yeah, Beloved was um, 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with Beloved, but they were at that time they were a Christian hardcore band. Um, they had recorded um, they recorded uh, an EP and it would just it blew up, and so then they recorded a uh, a full length and released it, and it it blew up, and they. They were just climbing the charts. They their shows kept getting bigger, 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 and so now, like you know, a lot of the bigger bands are like are playing with them, them and and opening for them, and they just got really, really popular. And their full length album um, is amazing from start to finish. There's not a bad song on there, and then all of a sudden they just broke up overnight. Oh, what? and like yeah, so many bands, like, like so many bands. And I mean, these guys were. Um, tracking to be just as big as like under oath yeah and um and they just they quit and um and so everybody we knew would go crazy if we could get beloved to do a reunion show and chad knowing a lot of those guys uh just started working on them and what was really cool was pretty quickly they were like you know what yeah let's do that and so we launched uh noon january 1st 2020 and we went, uh, you know, we put tickets on sale. In seven minutes, our website crashed. <laughs> um, PayPal crashed. Um, they started thinking that I mean, it's some type of algorithm within PayPal was like, this has it's to be. It's a scam. It's a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what PayPal started doing was accepting everybody's payment, but then automatically turning around and refunding them. Huh. And so. Just automatically. Automatically. It was really what? crazy. But. Um, Crazy. We were working with Fresh Ticks at the time. That's our ticketing provider. So I called Jamie Gordon, who is actually from Bur Birmingham as well. He lives in Atlanta now. And is I he said, from Pleasant Grove? He's uh, well. He grew up. I think I, I know that. Or I have a. We have a mutual friend. In yeah, yeah. So he grew up in like um, Sylvan Springs, that area, okay. which is near Pleasant Grove. But he was always in Pleasant Grove, hanging out with us and, and a bunch of other people. But so I called him. I was like, "Man, what do we do?" He was like, "Well, first of all, you've got to pull PayPal." put it on our credit card processing system. We can get that back up. And then you need to get your website back up as quickly as possible. So that happened within about 13, 14 minutes. It's a very stressful 13, 14 oh, minutes. Yeah, we were, oh we were freaking out. <laughs> Dude, I would be. Because we were getting destroyed online. What's going on? You yeah, know? I know. And it's, and, that's um, all it takes. But uh, so we went, we finally got it back online and, and just and sold out of the tickets that we allocated. We were only going to do like, I can't remember maybe 500 tickets. And so we were going to just release like blocks of tickets. And so we sold out pretty quickly. And then what we did was we would announce every few weeks, we would announce like four more bands and four more bands. And so people were just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know? So the way in which we rolled it out was, um, it wasn't intentional. We were just kind of doing it, and it ended up being this really cool deal where it was just building momentum. Right, and uh, that's, pretty, and that's pretty wild, like snowball effect, you know. It really was. Yeah. But at that point, um, did you have Sloss Furnace locked in for the three days, or for the original twenty twenty dates that you guys had, not knowing how many days or how many bands you ultimately were going to have? Yeah, we locked it in for. Now, um, what's that even like? How do you how do you lock in dates for Sauce Furnish? Just call them up. Hey, I want to have an event. Yeah, so it was really strange. Um, I just started hitting them up, asking about doing this punk rock 
festival, you know, at Sloss. And at this point in time, they had kind of stopped doing live events for a while, unless it was like a wedding or something like that. Well, not to interrupt, but bring me into the timeline of Sloss Fest that went on for about three years there. Yeah. And then, you know, they just bellied up basically. And I heard rumors that it was because of, you know, inclement weather and they're not able to, you know, we're just, we get a lot of rain in Alabama during the summer. So yeah, we do. Um, was that going on at the time that you guys were trying to plan a festival? It had already ended. Ended. It's okay. run. Yeah. And so, um, did that have any effect on them accepting you guys to try to do? Oh another? yeah. Were they kind of wary of like, no, nah, uh, I don't know if go. we want to do another music festival. Or yeah. I think so. I think they were, yeah, they were like, okay, you know, we're going to do this a lot differently than, than we did with the Sloss Fest just because I think there were some communication issues. I think that there was some poor planning in terms of weather, you know, plans and those types of things. I think those guys put on an amazing festival. Oh yeah, we it's, went. It was yeah, awesome. It's it's great, but it, I think the timing, the time of year, and then brutally hot. <laughs> yeah, and then the then the lack of communication when when it started storming really just ended that festival. And so. Um, so the so the guys at 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 Sloss Furnace were like, okay, we need to talk about all these details, and uh, but then in the middle of the so but they were like, okay, we'll let you book these three dates, but we also have Sloss Fright Furnace, and um, and I was like, well, um, and they set up that same weekend that you guys are. I was like, well, we're gonna need that. We can't have somebody setting up a a haunted house or yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah, and so we had to work with them and uh, and figure that out but they they gave us the dates so we were good thankfully we didn't have to pay a deposit because <laughs> we had <laughs> zero dollars and so that was lost you just have in. an idea you can book lost furnace <laughs> hey we're gonna book it we're For, go ahead and give me three days yeah too. give me three days we're this legit company <laughs> we've been doing this for 20 years yeah i mean literally yeah, we've done this four times already. We know what we're doing, yeah. and we're really like four oh, times in twenty years. Oh, yeah, this works. Oh I, have, I have no idea. Yeah. And uh, but thankfully we didn't have to pay a deposit. And uh, but yeah, so locking that in was was instrumental because uh, Sloss. I mean, it's you can't have you can't have Furnace Fest anywhere else other than Sloss Furnace. Right. Um, it's one of the coolest music venues I, I think in the country. But as well, it's just um, from a nostalgic standpoint. Sure, it, it, you know, you just can't have you know furnace fest, furnace in the field. fest at you know, you know Regents Field, yeah. Regents Field, or just in the middle of a field somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, we started rolling those bands out. Thankfully, started selling tickets, so we got some money in to start paying these deposits and start thinking about things like insurance and and uh, think about all know. that stuff. Oh my gosh. Dude. Yeah. Um, so the, you said Beloved was the first band that was kind of like, that was the catalyst to yeah. kind of get the momentum going. These other bands, how do you, I mean, you look at the lineup now for the three days, you've got Under Oath, Taking Back Sunday, um, Thursday, you know, yeah. a band I didn't even know was even still together. A lot yeah. of these bands, I think, mm -hmm. I didn't know was even, were even still playing. Yeah. Um, how do you get in touch with this many bands and get everything scheduled and just mm -hmm. the legit, do you, do they contact you? Do you have a team of people reaching out like, oh, this band would be rad or yep. oh, this band would be rad? It's that reputation too, mm -hmm. just because Furnace was so successful yeah. back then. Yeah. But I mean, like for me personally, I didn't know until you told me just a minute ago that Furnace Fest happened in the early 2000s. Yeah. I thought this was just kind of like a new thing. Yeah. Like, Furnace Fest. Okay, this is sick. Like, yep. 
Yeah, no, I think it was a little of both. And so um, Chad still had some really strong relationships with a lot of these guys. Okay. And so he was making contact with them as well. Ryan Luther, um, our, one of our partners, and uh, he, he had a lot of relationships with bands too because in the late 90s, early 2000s, he was booking shows in Knoxville and Nashville, and he also lived in, in, in Florida for a time. So he was booking a lot of these DIY hardcore and punk shows. And so he had a lot of these relationships as well. And so they just started reaching out to agents and um, and started locking some of these bands up. But as well, um, Beloved being the catalyst really, um, you know. Uh, kind of legitimized it. In legitimized way, it. But as well, some other bands were thinking, okay, yeah, Beloved. Yeah, They're getting back together. We can, we, 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 can, can, we can show up. <laughs> we can do this. Or they were like, hey, we would love to play that because there's some really cool bands that they've um, – that they've kind of booked. And so, um, so yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a, a collection of both. A lot of them started contacting us because of the lineup that we were able to, to put together, but then it was us just, um, well, I guess there's a certain point when it peaks and then it's like the thing. It's mm -hmm. like, well, dude, you, have you heard of Furnace Fest? We got to play. Yeah. You I mean, you got like Every Time I Die, you got Andrew WK, you got, yeah. I mean, Kill Switch Engage. I mean, some of these bands are like, mega huge and, yeah uh, as well as a lot of bands that i was like surprised they were even still together or bands i hadn't even thought about or listened to in years you know yeah so i mean there was there were a handful of bands that we were like okay we can't have furnace fest if we don't book these bands andrew wk being one i don't know if you you've pulled up andrew wk's uh set They're on pretty wild uh, it's everybody insane. storms the stage and all that yeah stuff. so actually the storming of the stage at andrew wk show started at furnace fest really yeah so did he play or do you guys have bands from the original yeah a furnace lot of fest that are coming back a lot of these bands of have played at least one year of furnace fest and so that was okay. kind of one of the things too he was like we want to get a lot of these bands who played at furnace fest on this bill um, and then we want to expose people to a lot of newer bands as sure. well. And so, but Andrew Duque was one of them. Stretch Armstrong was definitely one of them. They played every year. Beloved was, was one of those. Um, we, um, it was really important um, for some people that Under Oath play and some other bands like that. And so we just started making a list of bands that were like, all right, these are the bands we got to go after. And once that the first two or three dominoes fell, it was it was just you know it was pretty. It's easy a little easier. A little right? easier. Yeah. It's very expensive these days. I think Chad, um, I think Chad spent anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars putting these festivals on each year. Never made a Never made a dime off these things. Actually, lost money a few times, and um, just the love of doing it I yeah guess, or I don't yeah know. and so it's definitely cost way more than that to put a music festival on today so dude the logistics we, alone just sound like a nightmare we, we pay that we pay more than that just in our insurance premium so <laughs> it's crazy. crazy yeah so um i understand that you guys are gonna have three stages yeah um uh some of the other festivals have more than that and mm -hmm. uh i've been to bonnaroo over yeah. in tennessee that was a lifetime ago um but one of the things I noticed was a lot of my favorite bands kind of all seem to play at the same time, Man, which is always is. such a drag. Yeah. And I know Bonnaroo obviously has like a dozen or more stages, you know, there's stages everywhere you go. Did you guys run into any issues, you know, trying to 
schedule bands or, or like you have overlap overlap with different bands like that's yeah. gotta be hard too it's, depending it's who like, plays dude. it's one of the most difficult things thankfully I have nothing to do with it so oh, okay well um, you got these Jonathan yeah poor Ryan you don't get any of the backlash <laughs> I don't and I gotta choose between August Burns Red and Boy Sets Fire yeah and uh, and Ryan knows that he's gonna take a beating once we go live with, and that's one of the I'll be honest with you that's one of the reasons why we're not announcing set times until a couple of weeks out it's because we know that we're going to disappoint a lot of people yeah. and um just i'll tell you this my wife and i are so disappointed on sunday because like the five bands that we're like we have to see two of them are playing at the same time yeah. and so oh, i told i told courtney and she was like are you kidding me you can't do anything about this johnny i was like like you're the dude come yeah, on like, you should be the one to fix it i said i tried i literally tried and um it, it a lot of it has to do with band schedules when they're flying in if they're flying in where they need to be on the bill because of what size band yeah. they are and so there's a lot of that that goes into play and so we just Unfortunately, the two two of the top four bands that we want to see on Sunday are playing at the same, same time. time. So I was like, well, you know, we'll record it and watch it, you know. Well, I know one of the questions, I understand you guys did a Q&A uh, online not too long ago, maybe a week ago or a couple of days ago. Um, one of the big things that's on everybody's mind with the new Delta variant yep. breaking out, how mm -hmm. are you guys handling uh, the COVID precautions? And yeah. as, at the time of this recording, what what are you guys doing as far as like, are you guys requiring vaccination passes or, or how is that working? So, yeah, we announced everything yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, it was quite the day. And so um, – for the past three years, it's been we've been kind of like the friendly music festival where Chad and I and Ryan and Mike have been very um, accessible to to everybody. Uh, we've been personally handling all the emails and Facebook uh, messages that we that we could. We have a a lady that works with us too doing that, but we're very accessible and everything for the most part has been very very positive. And up until yesterday when we announced our, you know, kind of our COVID protocols. And so we, we thought it was best that um, in order to be able to, to do this festival and do it safely, that we were going to ask um, you to provide a, uh, a negative COVID test and um, or um, a vaccination card. And so... Um, and thankfully, we're working with a company, too, that's going to be able to offer rapid testing on site. Okay. So even if somebody yeah. shows up and is like, oh, I left my paperwork. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's about as fair as you can be. I, I mean, think so. Like, um, you know, just prove to us you don't have COVID. Yeah. And we'll let you in. Like, right. It's really not that hard. Yeah. But as well, you know, I think the complication that we have is, is there is a law that, that was passed in July by the, the state of Alabama uh, making it illegal for any businesses um, – to require um, the pass or whatever. Uh, a, mm. a, they call it a COVID passport oh, yeah. um, okay. or a vaccination passport. And, uh, and so we literally had to consult with attorneys and, um, and talk to medical professionals. And um, I mean, we did our due diligence, we did our homework and we made sure that the protocols that we put in place were, you know, within the bounds of the law. 
Um, however, some people don't seem to think that it is. And so we're kind of running into that as well. AL.com just ran an article about a few hours ago. And it was a good article. Mary did a great job um, with it. But we know that there's going to be some significant backlash um, from this. But thankfully, like the requirements for us is a negative COVID test. And if you, um, if you have been vaccinated, then you don't have to provide a negative COVID test. We just ask that you show us that you've been vaccinated. So by giving options, we think that we fall within the, you know, within the, within the law. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what the attorney general says. We'll see what, you know, we're, uh, we're still what a month away, I guess. Yeah. At this point, yeah we're five weeks it. away. And so uh, I'm a little nervous. That oh some, man, it's getting close. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, uh, you know, a politician that, you know, wants to get his name out there, doesn't make a big deal about it and think that he's, oh, I'm going to go after these folks, but, um, these punk kids and yeah, the music. These, yeah. And so, um, but we're, we're, um, I will say this 95% of, um, all the comments and messages and everything online has been positive. Unfortunately, you know, we do live in a world where that, um, that loud minority. Um, oh, yeah. oh sure, man. You get a hundred good comments, man, we're so psyched. And you get that one <laughs> negative Nancy. And that's just, that's, that's the one that stings the worst. You know? Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I was telling some guys today, I was like, I think the, the one that shocked me the, the most was this lady, um, who, who ended her, I mean, this diatribe and then ended it with, um, um, fuck you commies <laughs> and so um so i went you're to, communist now okay. yeah and so i went to her profile and uh the first thing on her profile was jesus follower and i was oh, like oh, oh okay man. wow i've never been called a fucking commie you know by by jesus follower i just like wow that's a weird dichotomy there but okay and uh so we've been getting a lot of that but you know we're uh, we don't let the five percent really overshadow the 95 that is like thank you we're super excited about this and as well it gives us the ability to have this music festival mm -hmm. it gives us the ability to do so i mean all of us um who are working in some way shape or form in the music industry just wants to get back to some form of normalcy we want to get these stage hands, these production companies, the the artists, um, these music venues. We want to give all of them the ability to do what they love to do and make a living for themselves and their families. And the only way that we can do that is by putting some of these type of uh, procedures and protocols in place. And that's what we're doing. We want to have a great, safe event. We want these people back to work. And, uh, and unfortunately, in this day and time, we're just having to ask that you like you said prove that you don't have covid yeah so well, i can't imagine the stress along with everything else you know uh trying to plan a gigantic music music festival like this um and you kind of hinted on this earlier but tell me you know some of these bands i've never heard of others yep. i have um how do you guys decide the lineup and kind of who mm -hmm. gets preference because you you know we have three stages yep. so what is the process of like deciding like okay these guys are going to play they're going to be like our headliners versus you know some of these other guys that we're going to have to play on this day yeah. or this time um shout out to my friend ryan he had a question about uh 
his boys turnstile oh he's my a big fan of them oh he's my like God. why are they not showing them any respect and they've got these <laughs> other butthole bands ahead of them and you know so it's kind of funny yeah. but i think it just alludes to a larger question that maybe some people have when they see these festivals mm-hmm. is like you know and for anybody listening who feels like their favorite band kind of got the shaft yep what does that process look like as far as deciding the overall schedule yep. um, for the festival? Yeah, so I think um, that we've asked close to 350 bands. To, Son. Yeah, so um, we've asked a lot of bands, and this is basically what we've ended up with, which we think is an amazing lineup. Sure. Uh, if you are into 90s, early 2000s, punk and hardcore um you you love this music festival but as well there are new bands like turnstile turnstile is in my top five of bands that i want to see um you gonna jump on stage uh, i'll be on stage absolutely um (laughs) their shows man they are wild 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 yeah Yeah. and so i am so excited my wife's so excited to see those guys i mean this new album they just put out is is one of the most interesting compelling creative albums out there i think i think they're the um you know they're the new band that's kind of carving a new sound into um into to to hardcore and punk rock and and kind of that they they just bridge so many different genres their shows are so amazing and so i think that they're that kind of new band that's really creating some significant ways in the industry so i'm really excited um to see those guys but a lot of it has to do with of course um and maybe my you know being naive you see a name on a band on a poster like that and they got a you know small font and you see some other bands with a bigger font but does that really hold any weight as far as like for our poster it does not our poster is um you know our headliners are at the top but then all the bands are in alphabetical order okay so um, just because know. turnstile is second to the last on <laughs> sunday doesn't mean that they're going to be playing like, there you go you know at noon sure um uh they have a great slot and um and they're going to put on an amazing show so um they do have a great sh- uh, slot and we're definitely not dissing those guys no no not Ch- to pick Ch- on that one band yeah, yeah. so ryan uh it's ryan right yeah. Oh, yeah uh um chad and i uh are super stoked to see that band um <laughs> and a few other ones on sunday so that they're gonna have a great they're gonna have a great slot but as far as the the different stages go mm-hmm. what does that look like as far as like yeah. what stages what bands play on what stages yeah or, so or is uh, it is it just a free-for-all in those stages better than the other, or maybe there's like, no. you know, some of the festivals, there's a, a very clear main stage yep. versus some of the smaller side stages. Yeah. And so the way in which we're, we're, we've basically set it up was, is of course the bigger bands, the more popular bands, the ones that have the most listens to on Spotify that, of course, they're going to have the better slots in, in the evening. And we just kind of work our way down. But as well, we do factor in, um, because this is a very much a nostalgic music festival and so some of those key bands in the late 90s early 2000s um are do have really good spots as well um and I well think they paid their dues you know, that's that's fair they've paid their dues but also so like a um a stretch armstrong reunion has probably locked in so many people to come to this festival 
we've sold tickets in 22 different countries. Yeah. And in wow, all dude, 50 states. Crazy. So it's really cool. But we do we have a main stage and that's going to be out in the field. So if you went to Sloss Fest, they had the two okay, main so stages. That big yeah. one that, yeah. But we we have one main stage and we're kind of cutting that field off so that it'll be a little bit more intimate. We're not going to have 25,000 people there like um, what numbers do you expect? We we haven't publicly said, but uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, we we are anticipating anywhere between 10 and that 10 and 12,000 people a day. Wow. Okay. And so um and so, uh, so we want it to be a little bit more intimate on the main stage. So when Under Oath's playing and Kill Switch Engage and Taking Back Sunday's playing, we want it to be an intimate thing. People are, they can socially distance if they want to at the main stage, but but uh, the band's going to look out and see a nice crowd of people. Yeah. Um, so that's our main stage. Uh, we have the shed stage, and that's kind of the that's the classic stage. That's the that classic every show we've ever seen. Historic. Yeah you know, Sloss Fest stage. And so to me, that, that's my favorite with the sloping floors. Oh like there's no God. bad seat in the there's house. There's no bad seat in the that's house. Awesome. And it's amazing. That's where a lot of our reunion bands are playing. Okay. And so um, our super influential, you know, hardcore bands that are getting back together, that's where they're going to be playing. Um, I couldn't imagine seeing Stretch Armstrong on, on another stage. And they've got to play on that stage. And even Andrew WK. Um, Andrew WK is a big name. Um, yeah, that'll be epic. <laughs> we 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 have to have Andrew WK on the shed stage, um, but then we have a pond stage as well. So the pond stage, of course, is out by the spray pond, um, but it um, it actually can hold just as many people as the shed stage out there. And so um, the pond stage is kind of more of our indie rock emo stage i mean there are some heavy bands that are playing there but most of it's going to be like the me without you mayday and, parade to be out there <laughs> uh mayday parade will be on main stage but um it'll be me without you it'll be copeland and those types of bands great bands and bands katie she uh, just looked at the lineup like two or three days ago i was like yeah we're gonna have johnny from uh you know furnace fest on talk music so she pulled it up she was like Oh my God, Copeland, Me Without You. Yeah. Like, you know, Me Without You, I think that's the only other show they have this is it. on their this schedule. It. Man, yeah, it's crazy. They're, they're they're done after this. Yeah, man. And um, so, um, so anyway, she was tripping out. She's like, Why don't you tell me yeah, about this? Yeah, it's gonna be great. So um so yeah, um, so that's how the stages are set up. Main stage is for our, our larger bands. Uh shed stage is kind of more that um the, the the history bands, the reunion bands, and and our, a lot of our hardcore bands are playing there. Pond stage is going to be more of the kind of emo indie rock bands. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, what other amenities will you guys be trying to offer there? I know sometimes there's like you know little cooling stations or places you can get out of the sun. And being in September, it's not going to be as hot. Yeah. I just have vivid memories of Sloss Fest in the <laughs> middle of July, dying, dying dude. Yeah. I was like, I will go anywhere to get out of this heat. Yeah. Um, any other accommodations that, you know, people can look forward to or, or food vendors or anything like that? Yeah. So we have 20 different food vendors, um, uh, and, uh, all different types of food, um, vegetarian, vegan, um, and, uh, and everything in between. So, um, and some great food vendors. Um, of course we have, uh, Tito's is a big sponsor of ours. Um, trim tab as well. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so we're we're super stoked to work with those guys. Um, 
And uh, we have a really special project that we're working on in conjunction with those guys that we're going to be announcing pretty soon. Okay. And uh, it's going to be really cool. I mean, you can just put two and two together. They're a brewery. We're a music festival. So um, so we're really excited about that. Um, So we'll have, you know, have great great drinks, great beer, um, but as well, we'll have cooling stations and things like that. Some of our sponsors are coming and setting up activations and stuff like that. So, you know, they'll be getting swag and stuff from, from everybody from Tito's to, to trim tab to, you know, I don't know, there's, there's quite a few of them. So we're excited about that, but the main amenity is, is definitely going to be the food because it's, it's really good stuff. We, we, we were very selective in what food vendors we brought on. Um, and so the food's going to be great. Of course, the, the, the drinks and, and those types of things are going to be great because we're working on some really specialty things, whether it be, um, you know, with, with Tito's doing some special stuff, Trim Tap doing some special stuff. We're still working on our, um, a whiskey sponsor as well. Um, and then we'll have cooling stations and those types of things. So look forward to the Furnace Fest frozen margarita. Yeah, <laughs> or something. yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Dude, well, that's cool, man. Um, I know that uh, just looking at the lineup and checking your social media and mm-hmm. stuff, there's also – so you've got the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. That's all taking place at Sloss. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, at Sloss. But there's also, like, I think you're you're working with Iron City or somehow Iron City is kind of in conjunction, and they're going to have bands that are playing. Yeah. Is that on Thursday or is that also yeah, so, on Friday? Or is no, like a it's pre-party Thursday. thing? Yeah, it's a pre-party, and all of our pre-parties are on Thursday night. And so we actually have, there's four that we know of that are happening, two that we directly have involvement with. Um, but so the, the first one that we announced was the intimate show at Seasick Records. Um, oh, see, I didn't even know about that. That's yeah. Cool. So, um, and it's uh, intimate showing uh, or intimate show with Zayo, Walls of Jericho, and Shahalud. So uh, these are three huge hardcore bands dude yeah and, and so c not that big no i mean that's we sold 180 tickets uh, so that's which, sold out I guess. it's sold out it's okay. sold out in a probably day. a second yeah. yeah and um and i was talking to dan i was like um this record store is not going to be the same after the show he's like move yeah, furniture man, i can't wait get product he's all for it yeah he's all for it so the walls he, down. yeah he's excited um of course, all the records and everything will be moved out. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, that one's uh, that one's a really exciting one that I'll be at, and then we have one as well um, at Iron City, and so it's kind of a uh, a big kickoff party for uh, for us. It's um, Norma Jean. Norma Whoa. Jean, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So I remember getting their album for Christmas when I was in high school. Do something. you remember which one? It was uh, the the one with um, no. Bless the Martin, kiss the child. That one, yeah, that's the, the one that has uh, "Me Without You" on one of the songs. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Bless the Martin, kiss the child. Yeah, that was like was one of the breakthrough albums. Yeah. It was. It, it really it was, awesome. was. It was. It was amazing. From yeah. again, as one of those albums from start to finish, that was amazing. And so, but Norman Jean's playing another band called Remembering Never, Drowning Man, Sleeping by the Riverside, and Across Five Aprils. Um, and so, Remembering Never and Drowning Man. Um, I don't know much about them to be honest with you, but um, it's hard to know everything about all these bands. The yeah. Bled, dude. I haven't, dude. The Bled. The Bled's gonna be insane. That's be crazy, sick. dude. That I be didn't. Sick. Like I said, I didn't even know some of these bands were even still. It's crazy. Anyways. Yeah. So Sleeping by the Riverside is one of the bands that I'm super stoked to see. They were this um, hardcore band from Florida. They put out maybe one album, and that was you know 
they were kind of a one and done deal, but the album was again pretty pretty amazing. Um, and then there is another um, pre-party event at Saturn. Saturn, okay, yeah. and it's called the Label Fest. So the guys with the labeled podcast, um, they're also the guys in the band Emory. And so um, they are kind of heading this up. And um, but and we're going to do our own pre-party. <laughs> yeah. And so we're working with them. We're just basically supporting them as they plan it. We we were at this point where we're at the we're at our wits end. We're like our bandwidth that we have no more. I was about to say, do you have bands that were trying to get in that you were just you had to put the cap and you're like, dude, we can't, can't have, have any more unless we start at like eight a.m. Yeah, like we can't. Yeah, yeah, can't that's have absolutely. any more. That's a, that's a tough call to make. And you have some killer band that you love call and they're like, oh, we're available that weekend. You're like, dude, we yeah. can't we can't fit them in, man. There's no it's way. It's nuts. The show at Saturn though is going to be pretty cool. I mean, it's Emory, Hopes Fall, As Cities Burn terminal and then they're doing like an emo night you know so they're going to be going all night sure and um and so that should be a, a really cool show um and then there's one at um the firehouse um Ju oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. i've so, seen uh, some uh, bands play there judas cradle is playing that show judas cradle and a few more bands that i'm not that i don't I, is this like is this the same firehouse in Avondale? Yeah. 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 They're still doing shows? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they come and go. They come and go. They yeah. come and go. And I think they've kind of turned into more of this kind of artsy They're doing like a co school thing. Yeah. Co-op learning center thing. And so um, I don't necessarily know um, if they're doing a lot of shows, but they're they're doing this. So it's, That used to be the spot, man. Yeah. Uh, it's Die Young, All In, Judas. All In? Yeah, All In. No. And Judas Cradle. And maybe a couple of other ones too. So um, that's going to be a crazy show. All in. They're the hometown heroes right there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so. crazy. Era's playing. That's right. They always do a comeback though. They're yeah. like always like, oh, we'll play one show. But it's like, yeah, I'll see you again in like two years. Two years. Yeah, you yeah. want to do one more? Yeah. 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 I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. We've got a couple. So like Haste is, is doing, um, it's kind of, it's gotten back together and is playing as well. So they're, they're a really well known. Um, Birmingham band, um, Unwed Sailor. Um, so Dave is a part of Unwed Sailor. Um, then Gideon, I know, has Birmingham ties. Actually, there you have they have Macala ties where I grew up out. Yeah, in the we country. got a poster right, right over, over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We sure were looking not. at the list and we were like, dude, Gideon's that's, playing. That's, that's crazy. That's old, old right there. Yeah, yeah. That's major throwback. Yeah, but they like Alabama hardcore is so. Weird. Mad. It is. Mad. <laughs> yeah. Like, you would go to shows to, like, get in fights. Yeah. And I know that was a big thing for, at least back in the day, Gideon would just stop playing shows here. Mm -hmm. It's like, you ruin the shows. There's mm -hmm. fights. We have to stop the sets. People get kicked out. Like, yep. you ruin the fun. Yeah. So, for, I remember a long time Gideon didn't play here. Yeah. And it sucked because it's like, man, they're like the boys. It's hometown. Yeah. They come they're, home. They're good. Yeah. yeah. And Era's playing as well. Era um, too. Yeah. yeah. Their their new album is is so yes. good. Yes. And I'm so stoked to see those guys. But uh but you're right, man. It's interesting if we want to get in that little bit of a conversation of the kind of hardcore punk rock scene. Um so 
I was a '90s kid. I loved like '90s punk rock and hardcore. Um, as it's kind of in the 2000s when things started kind of moving towards like new metal and stuff like that, I didn't really. There were a few bands that I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but I, it just wasn't my thing. And so, um, but the the punk and hardcore scene in Birmingham has. Um, for me, it was amazing um, for the longest. And because there were clubs like Slacker 66 that was really kind of pioneering this idea of of tolerance. It's funny that, you know, a lot of punk rockers and hardcore kids talk about tolerance, but at the end of the day, they're not that very tolerant. And uh, which which speaks to your point when um, they're always trying to kill each other at shows. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And, uh, and really, at the end of the day, it's just because they disagree with each other, whether it be on religion, whether it be on style of music or anything else. But uh, And Chad was instrumental in kind of pioneering this idea that we could, that caption, okay, that's a, you, you do a little bit of research on caption, who those dudes are dear friends of mine, but um, not Christian at all. Um, uh, and sometimes adamantly opposed to it, vocally uh, opposed to it. And uh, say another, you know, Christian hardcore band could play at Slacker 66 on the same night. And for the most part, things would be fine. There were always guys out there that were trying to just pick on kids. Or, or prove a point. Yeah, or, or yeah. prove a point. But for the most part, there was this level of tolerance that was really cool. Mutual respect. Mutual degree, respect. Yeah. And then, but yeah, dude, I, I specifically remember um, there's kind of a moment where a lot of that started changing. And... Um, and so, and it it did become super hostile at times. And I was just like, man, this this I'm gonna be honest with you, this is not what punk rock's about. This isn't what hardcore is about. And uh, and it really put a bad taste not only in my mouth, but I know a lot of the. I don't consider myself one of the old guys, but I'm 41. Some of the older guys that were like, yeah, I I just rather not. I'd rather not go to a show yeah. and and uh, and expose myself to that. So um, yeah, same for us. You yeah, know, it was. Of course, when I went to shows, it was um, there were all these in churches. Mm -hmm. We didn't. I mean, Firehouse was like the last venue that I remember us having. Mm -hmm. This is post Cave Nine, I guess. Well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't involved with. You're about four years younger than yeah, me. Yeah, I'm 33. So. so we had like the Firehouse and Zydeco, and but it's everywhere else was like churches. Yeah, and churches would immediately put a stop to it if there were fights. It's like, no, you're done. Yeah, it's like, all right, great guys, you close this venue. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, it was interesting because, yeah, we had a lot of church venues as well. Things got wild um, at a lot of these churches. But, man, we had so many great venues. It was Big Dan's. Uh, there was uh, Cave Nine came, you know, after them. The Boiler Room. Um, I saw Hot Water Music and The Misfits at the Boiler Room, which was crazy. Wow, really? They didn't play together, separate shows. Oh, but okay. um, and um, but then you had uh, Slacker '66, and then there was the there was this one Christian like venue called uh, Crush Warehouse, and it was in a warehouse. Crush Warehouse. Yeah, it was in a warehouse down in Irondale. It's this beat up warehouse building. It had no AC, no heat. And uh, and uh, the guy, what was his name? I can't remember. Derek. Oh, it was Derek. Um, and uh, he was booking all these shows, and it was literally five bucks and two cans of food, you know. And you would go in and see uh, my first hardcore show, which I, uh, was POD in really? nineteen ninety. What yeah. POD man? POD in yeah, nineteen ninety six or seven. Oh, dude, that was so, like the first 
CD. I think I remember owning that in like a Lincoln Park album or something. Yeah, like, yeah. So, Bod, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, Dad. Yeah, man, Dad. Dad. Dad bought you that? Yeah, man. Dude, dad's awesome. Yeah, dad's, he's, he's rad. He was like, I want to give them something they can rock out to, but, you know, I want it to be, yeah, it's not, you know, something I can give to a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old. Right. And so P.O.D. fit that bill perfectly. Yeah, they did, man. And they put yeah. on a great show. Yeah, they put on a great show. But um, but it was Crush Warehouse. And so a lot of the Christian bands that came through were playing at this at this venue. And uh, but we had so many cool venues and um, and it kind of, you know, for all different walks of life. But uh, saw so many great bands, so many great bands came through, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's just not that many DIY venues in Birmingham anymore. Yeah. So maybe maybe you guys need to open one up. Uh, yeah, we got a little bit of room down here. Temple <laughs> solo acts. Tim's so. talked about doing it at our warehouse. Yeah. But I just. I don't know. Run a I'm venue, like you. Man. I was kind of left with a bad taste in my mouth. It's yeah. like, I don't want a bunch of kids in here. It's just going to destroy, destroy my everything. Yeah. 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 So kind of hesitant on that. Well, it's the cool tough. thing is, is like, um, I mean, how hard would it be to run a venue? Just keeping the place from getting destroyed, you know, I guess. Or it depends on the type of music. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I it's, um, especially if it's a DIY venue and there's not like alcohol being sold or those types of things. It's an all age venue. Um, I mean, it's always a pain, but like uh, it can be done. But also, I mean, I think the people treat the space the way I don't know. There's an there's an atmosphere, you know. And if they go in and there's just hostility all the time, then that's how they're going to respond. But if there is this kind of openness and tolerance and and acceptance of different, I and mean, all that happens, it happens at the front, you know, it happens through conversation, it happens through, through that. So it's difficult, but it's definitely something that's taught. It's something that's talked about. And so that's something that we constantly do with Furnace Fest. And we've said it a thousand times that this is a, this is a festival for um, any and every band, no matter what your beliefs are. I mean, we, we, there were Christian bands that played Furnace Fest in the early 2000s. And there were not Christian bands. There were bands that would actually tear the Bible up on stage just to <laughs> set it on fire. Yeah, and be antagonistic. And uh, but the great thing is, is that the table that we're setting uh, for this festival is a pretty wide table, and it doesn't matter what you believe. Um, you're you're welcome at this table. The only thing that we ask is that there be this kind of mutual respect for one another. Sure. That's not to mean you can't. Express yourself and your ideas and your beliefs on stage. Bite it's, the heads off bats. You know, yeah, whatever. you can do all kinds of that. You can do that stuff, and that would be killer. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the, the only thing that we ask is there be some uh, mutual respect, and we lost that for a time, definitely in the scene. But hopefully, we're getting that back. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. So how how has it been working with the city of Birmingham as far as a, yeah. securing permits to have loud music, and and is there like a just on my own curiosity. We talked about trying to squeeze in as many bands as you could. What was your window? I mean, mm -hmm. was there a certain time that you could start music and you have to end music each day? Yeah, so working with the city's been been fine. Um, there was a significant amount of time where they were not granting permits for concerts and music festivals or anything like that. So we started getting pretty nervous. Like, is, is, is Woodfin going to lift the ban on live music you've already got the the thing secured and you said it was originally supposed to happen in 2020 and then got postponed yeah yeah and so but we had not worked on our permitting with the city and so but we intentionally did that as well we we wanted to wait for a while to hopefully let things settle down well thankfully 
I can't remember exactly when, but it was a few months ago. It was around the time that that the mass mandate was lifted in Birmingham. Um, we approached the city. Don Lupo is a dear friend of mine. He's been a huge supporter of us. Uh, first met with him. Hey, how's this going to go over? And he's like, it's fine. I've already talked to the mayor. As soon as the mass mandate's lifted, he's going to start issuing permits. He's excited about this event, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and so um, so they gave us a permit. And um, But yes, we have to be done at 11 o'clock. And so they're, you know, um, so yeah, it's you can play all the way up to 11. We're starting at noon. And uh, but we have to be cut off at 11. So cool. City's been good to work with, though, man. Um, well, you make it sound easy, man. Uh, we it's, a a piece of cake. it's a piece of cake. It's a piece of cake. Nothing. It's you know, COVID so caused a few hiccups, but yeah. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, it's been it's been it's been a wild journey, but I've enjoyed every moment of it for real. I mean, it's been super stressful. But man, I've enjoyed every moment. I've learned a lot too. So, so, so tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier that you own some hair salons. I think you're involved, or you're the owner of Wheelhouse Salon. Yeah, yep. not to be confused with Wheelhouse Academy, the the, the, the workout gym, yep. the CrossFit Plex or whatever. Yeah, um, they're great. How did you, besides having friends in the music industry, mm-hmm. did you ever work in no. any capacity in the music industry? No, or? this is uh, this is kind of the first time for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just I've I've been a serial entrepreneur since I can remember. Um, my wife and I own three hair salons: one's in Birmingham, one's in Huntsville, and one's in Austin, Texas. Why uh, hair salons? Did you ever cut hair? Or, no, or my what? wife does, okay. and so she started cutting hair when she was sixteen. You know, in her basement, she was uh, you know bleaching our hair, cutting our hair, dyeing it green and sure, purple yeah. and red. You know, doing all that, and she just has always love doing hair so she tried um she tried college for a semester and was like this isn't for me i want to i want to do hair and so she she dropped out and went to cosmetology school and she's incredible she's super talented um and um and about seven and a half eight years ago we kind of got to the point in our lives where um it was time it was time for us to open a salon and she have her own salon because she wanted to continue to grow her career and and um and working for somebody, she just couldn't. She she had hit that ceiling, and there was no way that she was going to be able to push through it. So we opened Wheelhouse, and uh, and it's grown significantly. Is that the downtown location? We opened in Homewood. Homewood, okay. Yeah, so we had four locations pre-COVID, and um, COVID um, COVID uh, caused us to consolidate our Birmingham market, and. Um, and so um, we consolidated to downtown because it was our bigger salon. But as well, I own the a nice space there. That's it's awesome. a great spot, man, yeah. and it's uh, it's beautiful. But I own the building in Homewood, so um, I it made sense for us to move it all downtown because I'm leasing that and then rent that space out. Because if I had tried to break my lease in Birmingham, then I'd have gotten some some legal yeah. issues that I just didn't want to. But as well, it's a great space. It's a good part of town. Um, and it was a bigger location, and we could just easily move those stylists there. So we closed that one down, but we're still kicking in Austin and Huntsville and downtown, and, and things finally are, are going going well for us. So, yeah, I mean, it's hair salons. For me, it's it's other things, too. We've got real estate businesses, and uh, I own an ice cream shop. And What? Yeah, really? Yeah. And, and, You're a busy guy, man. Golly. Yeah, yeah, well, me and 15 other friends of mine opened – 
an ice cream shop in West Homewood. So what's the name of that? It's called Neighbors. Neighbors. And, okay. um, and usually I'm up to speed on my ice cream shops. I yeah, know that place. Well, Let's it's check a, it out. It's a cool concept. Actually, myself and a dear friend of mine, Michael Eady, are primary uh, owners of 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 Neighbors. But we decided to take a third of equity and sell it to 13 families in the neighborhood and um, just sell a small percentage of them so they would the neighborhood would have significant buy-in to this business that adds value to this little neighborhood west homewood um and uh but as well we wanted to create a business that's never really been done where there are a large chunk of people within the community own this business so they have ownership in it they have buy-in they're 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 committed to the success of it and so it's been really cool concept dude that's sick yeah it's awesome and so we love that um so ice cream and then neighbors ice cream i yeah. will uh i'll check you guys out that's cool yeah so and there's some other things that i do but i don't want to bore you with all that sure well dude the music thing uh, i tip my hat to you for even uh attempting to try to pull off a festival of this magnitude yeah um uh, anything else that, that we should know about you said you're partnering with trim tab and got some things in the works um yeah. i want to know because before we started this podcast yeah homeboy was talking about opening up a skate park in hoover yeah i would oh, like yeah. to talk about that yeah dude, how did that come please about? um dude, I, we need more skate parks man yeah, i think hoover do. definitely has the infrastructure to support yeah. it you know yeah it's a great story um so my son started getting into skating courtney and i've always loved skateboarding and um and and so when he started getting interested it was like man this is cool you know and um but two being you know just frustrated that the lack of places to skate in birmingham and so when we moved back to back to hoover um i don't know what got me thinking but i was just like at all places hoover needs a skate park because hoover is one of the most diverse cities in the state of alabama and I knew that there was a significant group of kids that skateboarded in Hoover. And, uh, and a lot of them just don't have a place to go. And so I would see them out skating in all these different places. And so um, I was like, well, I know a few of the city councilmen. Um, and so I just started hitting them up. I was like, what are the chances of Hoover donating land um to build a skate park um and one of them told me is like, yeah slim to none and i was like okay thanks i love a challenge i love a good challenge so anyway, not here buddy yeah um make a long story short i i literally started emailing and calling every city councilman the mayor the parks and rec board and the guys at the finley center which is the hoover met complex yeah mm -hmm. And just introducing myself, um, just talking to them a little bit about skateboarding and why it would bring value to the city of Hoover. Um, finally, I got in touch with the right person. He was like, you know what? I want you to come present this to the Parks and Recs Board. And this was in October of last year, 2020. And... Um, so I, I I made this whole like PowerPoint presentation, you know, and uh, and I go up to to their meeting. So one you're night. dead serious about doing this. this dead is, serious. This is crazy. Bro, okay. Dead dead serious. And so I start passing this presentation out. I print it out for everybody to all these people, 
And they were like, oh, my gosh, I thought this kid was just going to come up here and talk about skateboarding and we we're just going to go, okay, yeah, whatever, yeah. and move on. So, I mean, I had, uh, in this presentation, I had talked about why a skate park would be great for, for the city of Hoover. And um, I would also kind of dispel, you know, I'd, I've kind of – I kind of set their mind at ease about some of the urban myths. Yeah, I guess. some of the urban myths that it's this the wrong crowd and that it's super dangerous and there's just a high risk, all these different things. So I went through with statistics, with data, and saying, okay, this is why a lot of these preconceived ideas that you have about skateboarders just doesn't hold water. And uh, even the legal side of things, so they were like, well, we think we have some type of liability legally. I said, no. You absolutely don't. There's a law on the books in the state of Alabama that relieves all cities of any responsibility for people who get injured doing any type of extreme sports. And then I also pointed out to there, you have a mountain bike trail, you know, down uh, Stadium Trace Parkway. And so, and they're like, oh, okay. And, um, and I was like, and to be honest with you, um, skateboarding is safer than playing football, basketball. And here are the stats to show. There was an article posted in some some medical journal from the St. Jude Hospital and um, talking about skateboarding and how it was safer for kids to do than play football and basketball. And so I started sharing all these stats. And I was like, should we not play basketball or football? Absolutely not. These are great sports. Kids need to be involved in them. But they also need different options. For kids who don't necessarily fit the traditional model of sports, why can't the most diverse city in the state offer them uh, an option? And uh, and then I had Google Earthed three spots at the Finley Center that I thought a skate park would go great at. And it was just three open plots of land. And so I was like, hey, guys, if you would just turn to the last page, here are three different spots. But also what I did is I had contacted a skate build firm that's based out of California. And I said, would you be willing to help design in some type of CAD software, design a skate park and put it, plop it into this little plot of land. They were like, absolutely, man. And so I had already had this skate park designed, which is not the design that we're going sure, with. Sure, just something, just to, something to, to put there. They could yeah. see, and it was really cool. And they were, uh, the guy who actually runs the Finley Center, he's a great dude. Um, he was like, he's like, actually, this spot that you have marked off right here works perfect. And I was like, that's the spot we want. Yeah, and so so um, so it went to the city council, um, the park and rec board, and the city council agreed to donate that plot of land that's at the Finley Center for us to build a skate park. And so it took a it took a, a while for us to work things out legally. Um, I had to form a nonprofit, which I did. Um, also, we had to think through like how is it going to be managed those types of things of course they were thinking okay well we need to put a fence up and we need to have a monitor there and i said look i understand that and we will be willing to compromise with you on a lot of these things but i do think that that's kind of an old way of looking at these things i can assure you that these kids are going to take care of this park they're going to be grateful for it skateboarding is a lot different than what you think it is and so i'm i'm hopeful that we're going to be able to come together on some of those things but um, so they have agreed to donate the land. We've got things worked out from a legal standpoint. We've built our website. It was completed today. What? Which is super cool. Oh, that's rad. You're sharing it with us. Yeah, man, today. We cool. haven't, we literally have not 
went public with it. Only actually, only a few people know. And um, and so at this point in time, I'm I'm gathering basically a group of people who are going to help make this thing a success. And um, and so we're going to launch it hopefully in the next few days. Uh, we're going to start raising funds. The one caveat here is is that um, Hoover said that we will provide the land and all the services. We're going to provide you lighting, so there's it's going to be. It's going to be lit. We're going to trash removal, restrooms, all that stuff. We'll provide that. You're going to have to find out how to pay for it. How to pay for the park. How to pay for the park. And I was like, easy, yeah. done. Yeah. I was like, not easy because, I mean, we're going to have to raise a half a million dollars. Oh, but yeah. like, um, but I'm committed to knock on every door and, uh, and visit every uh, business in Hoover and maybe other businesses that are friendly to skateboarding and ask them to donate to this. And so... Um, it's going to be, it's going to be super rad. One of the, one of the cool things that I'm really proud of is, is that we're going to have a section built into this, this skate park that, uh, is going to be, um, a, a portion of the skate park is going to be accessible for those, um, for, um, for kids and adults that who are handicapped. Okay. And so, um, so we're really excited about that. Uh, we're going to be working alongside the Lakeshore Foundation. They're rad. Yeah, yeah, to think really through cool. that. And so it's going to be an amazing skate park. It's going to be professionally designed, professionally built. It's going to be um, – It's going to be. Um, we're trying to make it as big as we possibly can, and, uh, and it's going to have an element for, uh, for individuals with disabilities. Um, you know, and so uh, we're super excited about it. We're thankful that the city of Hoover has agreed to donate the land. And, uh, and, and, and we hope the skating community in, in the Birmingham metro area gets behind it and gets excited about it. And to be able to offer two different spots, uh, two different legit, well-designed, great skate spots in, 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 in the Birmingham metro area, I think is, is amazing. And I think it's a great, um, it brings great value to our community. And I think it's going to be uh, kind of a, a launching uh, pad for a lot of kids to get into skateboarding, which which excites me. Dude, that, that that's absolutely incredible. I had when we brought you on to talk about First Fest, I had no idea you had that in your back pocket. Yeah, man. Oh, well, we're just God, man. You you got a lot going on, my friend. Well, I'm um, I'm kind of uh, that way. I, I as the moment I wake up, things start going, and I don't stop until I get. In the I bed, wanted to so. ask. Uh, we had. Um, have you talked with Peter Carvinen of Faith Skate Supply at any point? during your investigation or, or during this process i have not i okay. know i know pete knows about it okay um and so I, what the one thing that i didn't want to do and because i was a little leery i was like i don't know if this is going to happen yeah i don't know if the city of hoover is going to do this and so what i tried to do was i, I tried to 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 not tell everybody because the last thing I want to do is get, a get bunch all of these people excited. And then all of a sudden I go, sorry it, guys, it happens all, all the, the time. time, all the time, especially with the skate park in, in Birmingham. We've yeah. been talking about a skate park for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a, we had Peter on actually and, and talked at length, you know, he's been trying to get a park built here mm -hmm. in Alabama for 20 years Forever. and, and he's gone to Hoover and he's gone through, you know, so many council members in Birmingham and he's had so many, ups and downs, you know, getting a grant from the Tony Hawk Foundation. And, you know, every time we thought, yeah, okay, this is it. We're getting a skate park. It yep. just seemed to 
things with stale rugs swept right. to, yes yep. and it was a really good conversation so anybody that's interested in that should definitely go listen i'm gonna uh, go to his I'm, gonna, conversation. I'm definitely gonna go listen to it, it and i've always you know I, i've appreciated what what peter's done you know for the skate community and he and probably has a lot of knowledge he about has some a, of the pitfalls and and some of the yep. things to maybe avoid so i mean we want to we should definitely uh, oh 100 he's 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 one of the first people that we're going to contact and sit down with because we you know if it's going to be successful you know peter's going to need to be involved and so just, just the amount of wisdom that yeah. you would bring and to i'm going to tell him that yeah. i was like if this thing's going to be successful you have to be involved yeah and so i know he's heavily involved with the birmingham skate park and all that but I do know that Peter will be super excited about this. Oh, I'm sure. And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. And uh, and so, but I didn't want to just tell everybody and get all it's this. Probably a smart, smart thing. Yeah, to do, and yeah. then all of a sudden it didn't happen, and then everybody's like, "Yeah, the, yeah. the freaking jerk, yeah. telling everybody about a skate park and it doesn't happen." So I really wanted all everything to be lined up. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to for the city of Hoover to get on board and commit, and they have committed in writing. And I wanted to legally get it set up right, so we formed a nonprofit. That took a little while because of COVID. It's it, you know all government agencies, you know, are moving tremendously slow. That took way longer than we thought it would be. But um, what's awesome about this nonprofit is that a hundred percent of the money that's given to it will go to build the skate park. Not one dime is going to be used for anything outside of building the skate park, and so. Um, we've actually worked that into the DNA of the organization. That's awesome. Uh, and so everybody can rest assured that if I give a hundred bucks, that hundred bucks is going to go. Yeah. It's going to pay for moving land, pouring concrete, you know, doing things like that. That is uh, really cool, and I'm very surprised to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah, dude. Uh, I've been so pumped about the skate park that's coming downtown that it's going to it, it's, yeah, it's going to be massive rad, park. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know, it actually seems real now. And, do um, do we know how? big it's going to be so we compare it uh for anybody in the skate community that's familiar with the with the skate park and he told me the square footage and i don't want to say it because i'll butcher it but it will be on par or bigger if i'm not mistaken than the public skate park in louisville kentucky okay which google that when you get home massive we've been yeah. to it it is a massive massive concrete park um, and when we had Peter on, we actually were like, what's it going to be like in comparison to Louisville? And he was like, I asked the same question. It's just kind of the biggest skate park close to us that really? we've been to. Um, it's got a full pipe. It's, it's massive, dude. It's huge. And according to Peter, I want to say that the skate park that we're getting will be larger than that part. That's a, that's amazing. Um, so it's cool. being funded by Aldot, which is why Peter was convinced that like, this is really happening. And he, uh, partnered with a a skate park building company that's been a, down this roller coaster with Peter the whole time yeah. working with him. And, and, you know, Peter got a grant from the Tony Hawk foundation money that he just basically had to sit on yeah. so long that he ended up having to give it back. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, I don't know if it was $20,000, $25,000, something like that. Yeah. Significant amount. And then they've also raised money, you know, just people donating mm -hmm. and just not being able to get any momentum. And so, um, I'm sure he would have a lot of insight. And, yeah. And you guys should definitely talk, man. I'm really excited cool. to sit down with him and talk to him about it. Now, have you guys heard about the new skate park that the city of Huntsville is doing? No. Um, I know Huntsville has a skate park. No, they're they're building a new one, and uh, it is massive as well. Maybe I'm thinking of a – there's another city. What happened? It's We've gone Jamie, 20 years with no skate parks. Now we got like three or four popping up. Yeah. Well, Montgomery had like a small one, like a, it was similar to uh, 
like Homewood skate Homewood yeah. had a skate park. Yeah, but it was basically park. just a metal uh, concrete slab with like metal ramps built on top. Yeah, uh, yeah. Montgomery had a similar park, and then with the whole revitalization that they're going through, that piece of property was super valuable. Now mm-hmm. like, we're not going to use a skate park, so they got rid of it. Yeah. I want to say there's another city in Alabama. I thought it was Huntsville that had a skate park, but uh, Tuscaloosa has a skate park. Tuscaloosa has and one, and Alabaster of all places. Yeah, yeah, the park. Alabaster it, Park. It, it's yeah. not. It's not. Yeah, that big. Um, but, but there's uh, one in Auburn as well. I do know there's one in Auburn, and it's supposed to be decent. Um, it's bugging the crap out of me. I can't think of. Anyways, but uh, there's the one Huntsville in Tuscaloosa. Park. There's one in Auburn. There's one in Alabaster. Why is there not one in, in sure. the Birmingham Hoover yeah. area? But yeah, the one in Huntsville. Um, I think the latest census uh, named Huntsville the biggest city yeah. in Alabama. Now. Yeah, it rivals; it's surpassed Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so. it's the, the larger city uh, in within you know Birmingham proper. Of course, our metro area is still significantly larger than than Huntsville. But yeah, the cities are um, have, they do have that, kind I of guess. flopped. But um, I think. The this the park that they're building is supposed to be like forty five thousand square feet. It's supposed to be really large too. They're investing three million dollars into it. Wow! One uh, a million dollars was given uh, was donated by um, an, an anonymous donor, um, and so and then the city's what? Pick, and then the city's picking picking the rest of the tab up. Dude. Wow. That's news to me. Wow. Isn't that's that crazy? Cool. That is crazy. Yeah, go Huntsville. A, yeah, man. Freaking Huntsville's awesome, man. It. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I mean, a $3 million skate park should be pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I didn't realize you were up to speed on all the skateboard culture and stuff. That's cool. Well, man. you know, again, I love the culture. While I'm not a, a skateboarder, um, my son is. And one of the reasons why I've been so passionate about it and getting this thing built is, you know, because of my son and his friends. Oh, you definitely you know. earned some dad points on this one. Well, that's I know. Good. I'm that's, like, that's just slightly cooler than the mini ramp in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, a little, he's like, rather than a mini ramp, I'll just build you a whole skate park. How about yeah, that? Yeah, well, um, but it's yeah, cool. so it's been You're cool. Yeah, it's for the kids, you know. I mean, he's got a great little community of kids who who skate, and and so um, and they always come over and skate the mini ramp in the back and. Well, hooking up with uh, talking to Peter, I mean, maybe he can point you in the direction. Yeah. As far as getting, you know, the hardest part's raising the funds to, to actually get the thing built. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he talked about, you know, George Ward at one time was going to be a location for a park, but then they came back after the fact, after getting the area approved, and were like, okay, now you got to come up with like something like $20,000 a year to pay us to come and change the trash and to basically maintain it. Yeah, so the so fact that a, Hoover is is willing to step up and do that and, yep. and not put that burden on you guys. And Hoover well, has the money, it would seem like. Yeah. yeah, they definitely have the money. Sports is important to them, and so which I appreciate. Um, and so I think it really fits within the kind of the DNA um, of Hoover. Um, and helping them just think a little bit outside the box was, I think, a really good exercise for them. Uh, and it being at the Hoover Met at the Finley Center, I don't know if you guys have been up there. The place is crazy. Like it's, I know they've expanded a lot and done a lot of work. And stuff oh my like gosh, there's crazy. There's fields everywhere. Um, it's it's a really cool place. Um, they have like the SEC baseball tournament there. Yeah, they have the stuff, SEC yeah. baseball tournament. There's all kinds of tournaments always going on, whether it be lacrosse and. Um, they got tons of tennis courts, soccer fields. I mean, it's just a, it's a crazy place now, but, um, choosing that location was very strategic for me. One, it's easily accessible from the interstate Two, the infrastructure is already there. So 
lighting won't be a problem. I mean, there's lights in the parking lot. We can literally just tap into, you know, a power line and easily put some power poles up. Um, and then the infrastructure's there for oversight. You know, I was, I was hoping like, well, there's everybody's at the Finley Center. This is on the other side of the parking lot, but there can be some oversight from those guys in there. We don't sure. need an attendant. You know, from have the security guy just make a little extra loop yeah. over there. Yeah. yeah, but then removing trash and those types of things would be easy as well. It's not so, like some completely foreign destination. Yeah, yeah. Where they I have to build yeah. completely new infrastructure, and right. so um, there is a little bit of a savings there um, because it's all right there that Dude. we can just kind of tap into. That's rad, man. That's that's really cool. A lot of people would be super pumped to hear about that. Yeah, so. I hope so. I hope so. That's awesome, man. Because we got some serious coin to raise. <laughs> so All right, donate well, donate links in the description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll put up the wow. the GoFundMe page. Oh man, well, I'll send you the link to the website. So, okay. um, yeah, we'll post that like online. And share it with this video. Very cool. Okay, well, before we wrap up, Furnace Fest. Yeah, takes off. Does incredible this year. Yeah, could we see it? Could we see another 10-year reunion or a five-year reunion? Or Could is this going to be a recurring thing yeah, or, or yeah. any future or plans? Or is this like a one-off, hey, we did One it. and done. Yeah, so it. Um, we started with the intention of it just being a kind of a, a resurrection, a, a one-time thing. Um, but I'd be lying if I if I said, man, we, we're not all really excited about potentially doing it a second year. However, we've all four agreed that if we do it for a second year, we're going to wait to make that decision. Uh, we want to make sure that this event's amazing and that we pull it off right, right. Uh, without going bankrupt. Sure. You know? And so um, the cards are on the table, absolutely. And if we could, you know, there, there are a few bands that we were like, if, if we can get these bands that we would absolutely do it a second year. And so Bane's one of them. And then, Bane. Uh, yeah, Damn. Bane would be one of them. And then a Sunny Day real estate uh, reunion. If you're not familiar with Sunny Day. I can't say that I am. You guys yeah. have to go listen to Sunny Day okay. real estate. I'll put that on my list. So basically, Sunny Day broke up and uh, they started a tiny band small band called the Foo Fighters. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, that so, little tiny band that yeah. nobody's heard of. Yeah. So um, Sunny Day Real Estate would be amazing. And that's definitely on the on the top of the list that we're going to really try to go after uh, and get a get a Sunny Day Real Estate reunion. How is that not on my radar? How do we not know I don't that? know, man. I'm not up to speed on my music history, I guess. No. It's the Foo Fighters, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel embarrassed now. That's all right. That's all right. Um, they're fantastic, though. Okay. So super cool. Well, I'll check them out. Um are there tickets still available? Yeah, so we're sold out of of weekend passes. Weekend passes. Uh, I but, think that's what Katie was looking at yesterday, and she was like, yep. "Dude, they're sold out." Like, um, but we do have single days. Okay, um, that are still available. Okay. Yeah. If I wanted to meet Andy Williams from Every Time I Die, could mm -hmm. you hook that up? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Okay. I yeah. just wanted to put that out there. You know. Yeah. I saw that they were playing on. Shoot your shot, bro. What yeah. is it? Uh, the first day. So yeah. You know, any chance I can get some VIP passes to go see them, that'd be that'd be awesome. Just we, if you get we, a chance. We can we'll talk after. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Yeah, we'll give you a T-shirt. Uh, okay. Sweet. Done. Done. Well, dude, thank you so much for your yeah. time. I know you're a very busy guy uh, nah, for man. coming to hang out with yeah. us. It's been rad, and I think a lot of people are going to kick kick out of here in about the. 
Yeah, I hope so, man. Furnace Fest I hope so. I was like, to. when you asked me to come on, I was like, I don't know if anybody's even interested to hear me talk. So, but cool, dude. I think it's <laughs> sick. And if people want to get tickets, where where do they find the single day pass before those are gone? Yeah, so furnacefest.us is where you can find the ticket link there. So okay. all the information's there. We we primarily use Facebook and Instagram for all kind of announcements and those types of things. But uh, furnacefest.us is the place to go and just check out social media. Yep. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Dude, it's been yeah. awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful you guys asked me to come on. Thanks for coming. Yeah.